0: Welcome to the Sunday Sermons podcast. It was recorded on a Sunday morning at Morrison Hill Christian Church in Kingston, Tennessee. Our prayer is that the truths and strategies presented in this message will equip you to become a more fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening. God, thank you for making us new. Thank you for um, speaking life into us. Um, Thank you for being the only one who can do that. God, to pray that as we now go into this time where your word um, will be brought, um, I pray that we will listen and that we will act. Um, you will change our hearts. I pray that in your name. Amen. Good morning. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us online or in person. We do not take that for granted, and we're thankful that you are here. Um, this is the last uh, Sunday in a series uh, called Be the Body, And I know some of you probably want to hit skip intro or skip recap whenever whenever I'm giving this update at the beginning, but I'll try to make it quick. I think it's important that we always start at the same spot. Here's where we've been so far. Uh, The Holy Spirit always gives His people gifts, and He gives us those gifts so that we will use them. There's two big jobs. One is we use those gifts to encourage and to build each other up as a body of Christ. And the other one then is that we use all the collectively use all the gifts to reach out to the world around us and accomplish God's will. We've covered a lot of details along the way, but that's the core idea. The other core idea we've looked at over and over is that we will be held accountable to do this. This is something that Jesus says when he returns, he is going to hold us accountable for what we did and did not do using these gifts that we have been given. And some of the things that we're supposed to do vary a little bit. There's some specific will that God has for each one of us and each little group that we're part of, each church that we're part of. But there are also things that are always in His will. So as we've explored these gifts, we've been looking at some of those that are always His will. And today we're going to look at one more. So that's where we've been. Here we go. Ready? Today we start one last hike together and on this journey once again we're going to see some beautiful scenery along the way and barely notice it but we're going to take a second to notice how beautiful it is we're going to dip our toes into some really deep water that i wish we could swim and scuba dive around in for a while but we're just going to kind of kind of barely go there for a second because you just can't just wade through ignore something that big but where we're going is a very tangible end and that is to offer hospitality We all, as God's body, have the the responsibility to offer hospitality. And we want to know exactly what Jesus meant by that, what the early church meant by that, exactly what Paul meant by that. We're going to look at a biblical perspective of offering hospitality and how do we get started doing that more than ever. So you ready? Ready for the journey? Awesome. As always, the ultimate tour guide for anything we're studying as Christ's body is Jesus himself. So we're going to begin with John 13. I'm reading this passage, at least, out of the Passion Translation. This should be a familiar story to most of you. I'm going to read it straight out of the scripture. John knew, I'm sorry, Jesus knew that the night before Passover would be his last night on earth before leaving this world to return to his father's side. All throughout his time with his disciples, Jesus had demonstrated a deep and tender love for them. And now he longed to show them the full measure of his love. Now Jesus was fully aware that the Father had placed all things under his control. For he had come from God and was about to go back to be with him. Already we're looking at something beautiful, something that's way too deep to really cover, but let's dip our toes for just a second. Notice that at this spot in the story, Jesus has not died yet. He has not come back to life yet. He has not yet received the full measure of the King of Kings, Lord of Lords glory that he eventually would get. This is is an interesting spot because yet, even though this is the night before that happens, it says that God had already placed everything under his control. I wish we had time to go deep into that. Please come see me later if you want to. But here's here's a clue in the direction of how that can all be happening at once. The clue is in Philippians 2 where it says that Jesus already was by nature God and yet he did all this. The other clue is this. This is how God always works. He has his predestined will. He has ultimate power. He has a destiny, if you will. He has stuff worked out that nobody can overcome and yet he gives everybody, even Jesus as the ultimate human being, had real choices that really mattered. Do you understand what I'm telling you? God's ultimate will is going to be accomplished no matter what, but in this moment, Jesus is in full control. He could have gone any way he wanted. God already knew where he was going to go, but this is a big deal. Does this make sense? I hope so. Well, anyhow, so here's Jesus. He's got all this power, all this control. What does he do? Let's see. Verse 4. So he got up from the meal and took off his outer robe took a towel and wrapped it around his waist. And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' dirty feet and dry them with his towel. Not what you'd expect from a monarch. Not what you'd expect from someone who has all the authority in the world. You'd expect him to stay sitting at that place of honor that they'd always set up in their culture and where I'm sure he was sitting where he returns to in just a second. You'd expect him to just stay there and enjoy the moment, but no, he does something they don't see coming. This past Wednesday, Billy canarium uh, spoke about this same story and actually washed many of the teens' feet. And a lot of them were like, I don't know about this, but they let him. A lot of them were like, no, no, no. If you've heard this story, Peter was the one in this group that said, no, no, no. But we're going to skip that part of the story. I think you've heard that. I want to go straight to what Jesus told all of them and what he's telling all of us this morning. This is why I'm doing this. This is why I'm doing this for all of you. After washing their feet, he put his robe on and returned to his place at the table. Do you understand what I just did? Jesus said, you've called me your teacher and Lord. And you're right, for that's who I am. So if I'm your teacher and Lord and have just washed your dirty feet, then you should follow the example that I've set for you and wash one another's dirty feet. Now do for each other what I have just done for you. I speak to you a timeless truth. A servant is not superior to his master and an apostle is never greater than the one who sent him. So now put into practice what I have done for you so that you will experience a life of happiness enriched with untold blessings. All right, here's another little glimpse of some of the beautiful scenery we're walking through here, all right? That phrase, I love the way the Passion Translation renders this. It's one of Jesus' most used and favorite phrases. They render it, I speak to you a timeless truth. In uh, In the King James Version, it was, verily, verily, I say unto thee. Most other versions say something like, truly, truly, I say to you, or I I tell you the truth, or something along those lines. None of those are mistranslations. None of those are wrong. In the original Greek, it says, basically, truly, truly, repeats the same word, I say to you. But what that phrase is saying, just a lot of people don't know this, and I just thought you might want to know this. It's a beautiful thing. He's not saying, hey, you know, all this other stuff I say, don't take that seriously. This one is true. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying, no, I'm serious about this one. What he's saying is this is truth with a capital T. This is something that all the other stuff fits into. These things that when I say, verily, verily, I say unto thee, truly, truly, I say to you, I speak to you a timeless truth. This is one of those things that no matter what other circumstances, what else else we're talking about, this is one of those things you can hang your hat on. This is one of those things you can just know. This is timeless truth. This is a big, big, big deal. Does that make sense? I keep asking that because I want to make sure. No? Yes? Awesome. Okay, so here's what happens. Jesus says, I speak to you a timeless truth. A servant is not superior to the master. The one who has sent is not superior to the one who sent them. And then he, he says, now put into practice what I have done for you and you will experience a life of happiness and with untold blessings. What he's saying is the same thing that Paul said in Philippians 2 when he said, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in his very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing and took on the form of a servant and became obedient even unto death, even death on a cross. And therefore God has exalted him and given him a name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, Every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Beautiful passage about how awesome Jesus is, how He was already who He was, and yet He also earned the titles that He still has. It's it's so beautiful, but don't miss the beginning. Your attitude should be the same. You are the child of God, so you have to act like it. You are the body of Christ, so you have to act like Jesus acts. You have to do what Jesus did. Don't expect different treatment than Jesus got. Don't expect an easier job than what Jesus had to do. That's a timeless truth. That's a truly, truly, verily, verily truth. We never can forget that it's clear it's simple right except it's not easy it's hard it's always hard to humble yourself and it's hard to do things that are humbling it's hard to let people serve you in humbling ways right I mean let's be honest dirty free dirty feet are gross okay I don't know I don't know about you guys but no matter how attractive or or unattractive you may think your particular feet are when they're nasty they're nasty right and, and there's always people in every group that it doesn't matter who the feet, whose feet, that don't touch me with those feet and I'm not touching those feet. Right? I mean, this is, this is, it gets complicated when you start putting real people and real ideas and real opinions in the midst. But the concept is really simple. We've got to serve each other humbly just like Jesus served us. All right. Got to dip our toes again. This thing is just so full of it. This, this story is so full of these wonderful things. Uh, one more time, we see uh, that God always chooses to partner with people. We see this in the entire gospel from Genesis to Revelation. Old Testament, New Testament. Old Covenant, New Covenant. Moses, Jesus. We always see this happening. God in His ultimate power doesn't really need us. And yet He always, always, always chooses to partner with people. God in his power could probably do a much better job than any of us do. And yet he always chooses to empower us to do the jobs with him. He gives us real choices that really matter. But here's some of the things he does and some of the things he expects us to do as his body. Four things. If you're following along, these are the four things that are in the bulletin insert once again, there's a lot more Scripture in here than we can even barely look at. I hope you go back and use that as a Bible study later. But here is the first of those four things. We must prepare to serve others. God goes to extraordinary lengths to do all of these things. He prepares, He provides, He welcomes, and He empowers. Let's look at this first one. Let's say it out loud together. We must prepare to serve others. So many of you guys are such a big part of that. Like Andrew said this morning, thank you for taking time to say that, Andrew. I appreciate that. You guys don't realize how many people work not only on stage, but behind the scenes and up in the booth and on that little stage and in that room and back in the other room and everywhere, just on Sunday mornings, not to mention Kids Central, not to mention the Teen Center, not to mention everywhere. And that doesn't even count all the people that clean and mow and keep things fixed and and take down broken... um, steeples and you, you know what I'm saying? This is a big production that a lot of people do a lot of things. But, but we have to prepare and not just the building we've got to constantly be preparing our hearts and our souls getting ready to be, be prepared to share the gospel. That's what the class that dad is working through right now I, I, on Sunday evenings is about and if you'd like to learn more and be empowered in that please join him tonight at 6 o'clock. But there's so many things. You have to be prepared. Uh, one of my favorite restaurants is Taco Bell. Anybody else like Taco Bell? Okay, I knew it was in the minority, but just bear with me here. Okay, imagine you go to Taco Bell. Just imagine, okay? And you, and you say, hey, I'd like a taco. And, and the person goes, hold on just a second. And they put their hand over the little mic and they go, do we have tacos? We, we, have, we have tacos, right? Yeah, we can do tacos. Hold on just a second. You know better, right? It's Taco Bell, right? So you know there's stacks somewhere in the back there. They've got stacks of those flour tortillas and stacks of those crunchy corn ones. And they got meat and they got sour cream and they got cheese. And I'm getting really hungry right now. But you know what I'm saying, right? It's Taco Bell. They're ready. They're ready. They're prepared. They're hoping. They're praying that somebody's going to come by. And yes, we have tacos. They're prepared. We've got to prepare. We can't be caught off guard. If somebody asks us a question about Jesus, if they, if they want to show up at this building, if they, if they want to ask for our prayers somewhere, we've got to be prepared. Jesus used the, I, the imagery of preparing a feast and inviting people over and over again. Just in the chapters Luke 13, 14, and 15, which is in the guide, and I hope that you'll go back and read those. Just read them as a chunk. You'll see him use that same imagery in several different ways. To teach serving humbly, to teach be prepared, make sure you're saved. Only Jesus can save. He teaches all that. In, in Luke 15, there's three stories about things being lost, and every single one has a big feast celebration celebration when they find out that the lost thing has been found. He loves this idea of a feast, and even this feast that we started the story about. In Luke chapter 22, you see a behind-the-scenes look of everything that Jesus was doing, getting ready for the scene we started with today in John 13. He, he went to a lot of trouble to prepare that upper room to make sure that not only he, did he provide the food, but the extra bread and wine at the end for the communion he was about to start. He made sure there was a basin with a lot of water and a towel just sitting there handy. Are you following me on this? He went to a lot of trouble to prepare. And if you read through that story in Luke 22, you'll see that at every step he included other people. Some of them were his disciples and some of them were people they didn't even know. But he used people the whole time. We see this constantly in this. So not only do we have to prepare, we have to provide what others need. Let's say that together. We must provide what others need. And by others, throughout the Scripture, there's, there's a consistency there, again, where first that means others is going to mean each other, the rest of the body. We empower and we encourage and we equip the rest of the body. And then, together as a body, we reach out to everyone else. When Paul wrote to Titus, he said, our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. Perfect example of what this could look like a body that just truly lives out Jesus' words in John 13, where he says, I give you a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. By this will all people know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. They lived this out. At the end of Acts chapter 2, you see that they shared everything. And this community grew daily because people just had to know what was going on. And they were prepared and they were providing for everyone who was joining that community. They were welcoming them. We'll get to that in a second. And when Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Once again, you see this thing, you start, start. It's kind of like you ever been on an airplane? I know that's less common these days, but you know what I'm saying? And part of that little speech they always give you at the beginning is, hey, if something goes really bad wrong, some little mass will pop down from the top. Raise your hand if you've ever experienced this. Okay, right. And they always say, make sure you put it on you first and then help the people next to you because you don't want to pass out and then be helpless. Right? You ever heard that part? Same idea. The point is, you want to take care of your kids. So if you really want to take care of your kids or whoever's next to you that you care about, get that thing on you first and then help them. Same concept here. Take care of your family. Take care of your church family. We see this everywhere. When Paul wrote in Romans 12... Um, which, by the way, Romans 12 was one of those places we've really been marinating in because that's one of the key places that outlines these gifts, that outlines exactly all these things that we've been looking at with the body of Christ and how that works. But it also has stuff for the entire body. It doesn't just break down. In that same passage, it has some other cool stuff. For example, verse 13 says, Share with the Lord's people who are in need, that's talking about other believers, practice hospitality. That includes other believers, but that actually, as you'll see in just a second, it actually is especially for people who are not. Here's the third thing we've got to do to follow God's example. We must welcome others into our family. Let's all say that together. We must welcome others into our family. The word that we translate hospitality from Greek, Zenos is the noun form, um, it actually means pretty much exactly what you would say in English with hospitality. It means feed somebody or welcome them into your home or give them something that they need that you have share. But the root words take it even deeper and, and, and there's a clear connotation, especially in Greek, for it means both. It means just regular hospitality, what we would call that, and also this deeper meaning. See, philos or phileo, that's the noun and verb form of the first part of this word, means love, family love, brotherly love. Xenos means strangers, aliens, people that are in a different group than you. Fill in any blank you want there. It's the same root of the word xenophobia, which is being afraid or hating people who are different than you. But this is the opposite. This is loving, welcoming. Intentionally reaching out to you, Welcoming into your home. Feeding people that are different than you. People that are not part of your family. People that are not part of the body of Christ yet. This idea of hospitality is more than just. It's actually a core idea too. Paul writes to Titus and Timothy when he outlines the gifts and the the nature, the personalities of leaders in the church. One of those, he talks about how they treat their wives, how they treat their kids, how they treat the other people in the church. And one of those on every single list he gives is they have to be hospitable. They have to show hospitality which means they don't just treat their wives and their family and their other believers right. They also show love to strangers. Romans 12 again. Beautiful passage. Amazing thing. He he outlines how the body works and how the gifts work and which gifts do what and what their responsibilities are. And then he says, be devoted to one another. That's us. Share with the Lord's people. That's the body. Practice hospitality. That's, that's also us, but it's primarily reaching out. And just in case you missed the reaching out part, then he goes on. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. And the final verse in that passage says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's what it looks like to be the body. That's what it looks like to live as the body we put each other first to make sure we're strong and we're ready but together our primary job is actually reaching out in hebrews there's a cool verse we looked at last week 13 3 talks about prisoners just as a quick review show you how all of these this is just a reminder not only is that important thank you for those who have already signed up to help our new prison ministry we're working on that but not only is this a reminder of that, I'm going to show you something else that's really cool in a second. But Hebrews 13:3 we looked at last week. It says, "Continue to remember those in prison, as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated, as if you yourselves were suffering." All these ideas swirl around, and they're all part of the same vision for the body. Look at the verses right before that verse. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. That's the body. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. Just in case you missed the root word thing, he's making it really obvious here. You're not just, it's hospitality to each other and to people that are not part of your each other. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Pause. Little dip. Wish we could go there, don't have time, but that's cool. Here's what we know for sure. Jesus counts whatever you do for other brothers and sisters in Christ and even for what you do for people that others consider least as something that you do for him. Maybe there's angels involved too. But count it as you do it for him every single time. Here's the fourth thing that God always does for us, and that we've got to do for each other and for the world. Let's say it out loud together. We must empower each other to serve. One more time, this is important. We must empower each other to serve. And honestly, this is why we gather. This is why we fellowship. This is why we connect. Thank God for technology that lets people worship from their own homes. Thank God for people that long before there was a thing called COVID, there were people that would take communion to people's homes or to hospitals when we were allowed in there and we could go in there and, and share that. There's nothing sinful about being separate sometimes. But the reason God designed it, so the ideal is we keep coming back together over and over in big groups and small groups, is because that's the easiest way to build each other up. You, you get the whole body together it, it, all the gifts are combined in one spot. You get the whole body together. Everybody's remembering what the whole is supposed to be about at the same time. Everybody's remembering what Jesus did at the same time. Everybody's remembering to give and invest in the kingdom and the point of the kingdom, which is saving the entire world for Jesus at the same time. Everybody is walking through the scriptures at the same time. This is why he designed it the way he did. This is, we're supposed to work as a body. And no matter the circumstances, and no matter how God is leading us at any given time to kind of vary the details, we must never lose sight of the vision. And the vision is to be the body. To live as the body. We build each other up, and we together, we reach out to the world. And if either one of those ever stops at any given point, something is deathly deathly wrong. We started this journey together several weeks ago with this passage, 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 7 to 11. And once again, it's been a while, just to remind you really quick. He combines all of the lists of gifts into two big ideas. One is you speak for God, and the other is you serve for God. And again, the Holy Spirit is not bound even by Peter's inspired two little groups any more than he's bound by the three ones that we've been using. It's just he's trying to help us understand this is how it works. But let's read what he says. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Again, reminder that we also show hospitality to each other. But also a subtle reminder that sometimes each other becomes the other. That happens. That's not just 2020. We always are going to see some things differently than other people. We are always going to not 100% agree on 100% of everything. But we've got to agree on these things. These are the verily verilies. These are the truly trulys. These are the timeless truths. We have to work together to encourage each other, to build each other up, and to team up to reach the rest of the world. Whatever that takes. Every single time. One more time. This time, we're all going to have the same exact job, but I think that depending on your gifting, that you're probably going to lean certain ways. So I just want to kind of encourage you in those directions. If you're part of the senses group, as we've been talking about it, In other words, your gifts are prophecy or wisdom, discernment, or the other ones that help us stay connected to God's perfect will for each one of us. Help us communicate with God and each other. Help us know what's really going on in the world and not just be distracted by all the possible answers that keep swirling around all the time. If you've got those kind of gifts, probably all these things that we're talking about, about showing hospitality, here's some of the things that we need you the most for and will come most naturally to you. You, as the senses group, you guys are going to be really good at welcoming others. Out of those four, that's probably your best one because you're really good at seeing things that the rest of us don't see. You're really good at hearing things that the rest of us don't hear. You're you're better than the rest of us are at hearing the voice of God and at hearing what people are really saying and not just the words they're saying. Not just listening, kind of listening, but actually just preparing to retort and say back what we were going to say anyway. You guys are better at all of that stuff. You're better at helping people connect. That's who God made you to be. So if you've got those gifts, I especially need you as we offer hospitality to focus on the welcoming others part. Does that make sense? That's what's going to come naturally to you... ...and that's what we need the most from you as a body. The core people, these are the people that are the ones that keep things going. They're the ones that keep things going in the right direction. They've got gifts of teaching and of of, um, giving and encouraging and gifts like that. You guys are naturally going to find more joy... ...and have more empowerment from God than the rest of us... ...to offer your resources, to offer encouragement, to offer direction... And, and you're going to take joy, this part of actually providing, actually providing needs for others. There's a reason that that excites you more than the rest of it. There's a reason that God has given you something, whether even if it's just time or, or, or a desire to pray. But usually people with these gifts also have extra money. Okay, I'm just saying, there's, there's a lot of different things. Or a big house that you could house people in or show hospitality in very easily. You, you probably are going to do it. So when it comes to the providing needs, we need those core people primarily to be doing that. Because that's who God made you to be. But we're all offering hospitality. And then there's the limbs. These are the people who actually love to mow the lawn and to clean the house and to cook the food, and to serve the food, and to pour the coffee. They're the people that love to to, to do all the minutiae work that everybody else just like, oh my goodness, why do we have to do all this work? You guys are the ones who love it. Guess what? Praise God. Because the whole body has to prepare. The whole body has to serve. Thank God we've got you guys on the team to lead the charge and to motivate the rest of us. But we all have to show hospitality. That is the job of the entire body of Christ. Whichever gifts he's given you, whatever empowerment he's given you, whatever specific vision he is putting on your heart this morning, we all, as one big body, have to build each other up, encourage each other, and empower each other to serve. And, and this week, here's the goal show hospitality. I told you that's where we're going. That's where we're going. Show hospitality. And by hospitality, I mean reach out to somebody within the group. Sure. But especially, this is what I'd love for you to pray about. Reach out to somebody who's not in our group. Meet or listen to or re-meet or talk to. Connect with somebody who's outside of the group. Meet a need of somebody who's not just part of the body. If there's somebody in the body, that's an automatic. I hope that was clear. we got to do that first. Along your way to find somebody who's outside of the body that needs help. If you find somebody in the body, you better take care of that first. Somebody in your own family, take care of that first. Yeah, of course. But look for those opportunities because collectively this is something we're supposed to be doing. And if your gifts lead you to evangelism, praise God. But we all need to do that. If your gifts lead you to reach out by giving, by sharing, by inviting someone in your home, praise God. But we all need to do that. If your gifts lead you to welcoming people who show up here or just walk by and ask you a question, praise God. But we all need to do that. You just need to lean in harder. I want you to take it as simple as possible, and I'd love for you to actually write something down one more time this morning. Lord, I will show hospitality to blank by blank. Make it specific. And make it a prayer to God this morning. I'm going to give you just a second. You guys at home, grab something, write it down. Lord, I will show hospitality to this person. Put a name there. By this. Doing this action. You're doing this for them. If you can't think of anything this morning, take this home. Pray about it. Think about it. Put a big star by it. Circle it. Write yourself a note in your phone. Set an alarm or something so you go back. Do whatever it takes. But I need you to do this. Because this is one of those timeless truths. This is what the body of Christ does. This isn't a good idea. This isn't a cool thing that a few super Christians do sometimes. This is who we are. This is why we build each other up. This is why we encourage each other. This is why we serve each other first because we're supposed to be reaching out. I need every single one of you guys to do that in one way or another this morning. One more time, we're going to give you a chance to make a choice in the direction of God. And I just want to let you know, if you've never come to Christ before, and you've got a lot of questions, we're prepared to walk you through that process. We've prepared. If you'd like to even get baptized this morning, you already know you're ready for that. Guess what? We have prepared. Mostly it's Frank Hill, but there's a lot of people here. We are prepared. We got warm water, and we got clean towels and clean clothes for you. to. We're we're ready to rock. We're ready for this. If you need prayer, we've got a prayer team. We're ready. We've prepared. We're ready to serve you. If you'd like to officially join our church or make any other public, de- public choice, if you've got um, just a need for prayer, you can come to the front, go to the back. Whatever you need to do this morning, we're prepared to serve you in that way. Please don't waste that opportunity if God is encouraging you to make a public choice of some kind. And no matter if it's public or private, let's all make a choice in the direction of hospitality this morning as we stand and as we sing to God. That concludes the Sunday Sermons podcast. You can respond to the invitation you just heard where you are right now. Don't waste this opportunity to change your life for the better. If you've made a decision or are interested in learning more, please visit us at morrisonhill.com.